The title this morning is Discerning Moving of Providence. It's a simple story and I hope it will inspire you so that you also will recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit in providence. And so before we start, let us ask the Lord to bless us. Heavenly Father, may especially this morning the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. I was born not in this country, but uh, far away, in a country named Holland, the Netherlands. And it was there where the Spirit moved me. And as a result, there is a statement here that I discovered in the Spirit of Prophecy and says, in the book of God's providence, did you know that God has a book? A book of providence? The volume of life. We are each given a page. You have a page, I have a page. Did you know that? That page contains every particular of our history. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. God's children are never absent from his mind. You find this in Desire of Ages, page 313. And that is, if you, if you really realize this, what would you see on that page? Because it is a matter of life and death what is on that page. Here is another text here, in regard to Providence. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. And I will guide you with my eyes. Isn't it tremendous? The almighty God of the universe looks at you with his eyes. We have now over 7 billion people. What does God do? He looks at each one of us with his eyes. Isn't it a privilege? An enormous privilege. And if you understand this, you know, today you hear many people say, okay, you know, our Lord, our people, how many young people keep, can we keep? They're all astray, they're all astray. Friends, if you know about this page, that is written for you. And if you realize this, and if you know that God's eyes are you, you won't run away. Where should you go? In the world without God. Here is my story. Yes, God will specifically lead and guide every one of us. And this is my story how God has led every step in my life. Amen. And yet it took many years before I realized this. God is faithful. 
we can trust him. Here is Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsake, nor his seed banging bread. We can trust God. Are you well with me? Here's a picture of, uh, from my mother's side. She grew up in a polder land with windmills and whatever. She was the uh, Anna Maurik, one of 11 children from a small town in Holland. Her parents were in business, in a grocery, drugstore, whatever. And she in some way met my father here is Piet Darmstick of Rotterdam. He is a man full of wisdom, working for the government, and uh, there is where he was. In 1935, he was married to my mom. Here you see them walking in the street. My father, people say he was a good man, but not religious. My mother, from a super conservative Dutch reformed family, but backslidden. And both of them are in the world and not in God's house. Yes, here I grew up, only a child until 11 years of age. And then I experienced part of my life in Holland, a torn, worn, worn, torn Holland, like Ukraine. But there it was, it was a war with Second World War with the Germans. And she bombed, they bombed Rotterdam. I lost one of my uncles there. They bombed the complete city and they said, unless you surrender, every city in Holland will be flattened. Yes, this was it. The same happened in Belgium, in France. You either surrender or we flatten you. Now today we see the same in, in Ukraine. But Ukraine didn't give up and they fought. If they had given up, things would have to be different. And Ukraine could have been flourishing, but they didn't want to give up. See, in the Second World War, many gave up, and they survived. And so here then, the city of Rotterdam. And so, here you see me bicycling to my farmer's relatives, because we had to survive the hunger winter. You know, because the food was taken by the Germans and we were left with tulip bulbs. Yes, there's my uncle farm and we were protected. Here after the war, my sister was born. We differed for 10 years. I went to primary school. And my father loved extreme mountain climbing. He went there 
My mother didn't want to go because she was afraid. But my father went there, and in 1950, he met his death in falling in the ravine. Very sad. At that time, he was uh, uh, director of a government agency, making lots of money, but this was the end. And so, my mother was left as a young widow with my young child and me. And so I grew up, my teen years, in the world. Yes, grow up as teen, but no good. My sister would say, never mind, Mother Girard, I will take care of you. Let him go into the world. One of my hobbies was flying here in my gliding, and I had a tremendous time. And then I learned to see different perspectives of life. Here I love gliding, and from this I got the idea of becoming a jet pilot. But mother said no. You know, at that time in Holland, parents had a tremendous impact. And if the mother says no or the father says no, you have to wait until you are 21 years of age. And then when she gave permission, you could fly. At that time, the Americans were very, very good and gave us, after the war, jet fighters. Uh, one of them was starfighter. And I loved to fly there, but I was not allowed to. So I had to wait until I was 21 years of age. But my mother says, you know, if you fly there, you know, some of my friends had already died with flying those American planes because they were not the safest. And uh, maybe that is why we were given free the things. Instead of having Americans dying, let the Dutch die. And several of my friends died six feet under the ground. And that was, would be my destiny if I had listened. If I had not listened to my mother, and, but I had to wait. Here's my sister, she died when I was 20, she was 10. Yes, now my mother and I. Now, of course, you know, my mother tried to control me, but it was not easy, because I grew up doing my own will. And as a result, I really wanted to fly, but my mother says no. And so my next best bit was deciding to study aeronautical engineering. That was safe, and I was allowed to do this. At the same time, my dreams were with my friends from the street. Uh, existentialist, I was there. For those who know what is existentialism, they lived for the here and now. I was a lover of jazz and a man of the world. And of course I loved jazz. I loved the night concerts by American jazz musicians. They flew over there, and what did they do? They gave a concert, started at midnight until three or four o'clock in the morning. That was life for me. And I enjoyed it very much. I read books on jazz and whatever, I gave lectures to my friends on jazz. But I didn't remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy. 
Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, and therefore I will teach sinners their way. Psalm 25, 7 and 8. That was my life. Drink, dance, and have fun. And yet when my life went downhill, not in my observation, I was going up, 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 up. Great fine, great fine, great fun. And so during the time when, from God's perspective, my life went down, there it came. Providence intervenes. Now what is providence? If you want to give me the definition of providence. It is, according to the dictionary, divine guidance. Did I see divine guidance in my life? No. No. In fact, providence indicates that God is the power guiding human destiny. And that's what they had to learn. And so here, providence intervenes. And how did God get me? And I think that many of our young people, if they realized the function of providence, they would not go to the world. But I didn't know. And so the best thing is eat and drink and be married. And so forth. Providence intervenes. What is this here? Are they in the light of prophecy? Here is the book. This is the English version. Are they in the light of prophecy? In the Dutch it is Onze dag in the licht van de profetieën. And that was by W.A. Spicer in 1918, at the end of the Second World War, he wrote this in England, and this was translated into Dutch. And how could this book be in our library from our parents? How do you think it got there? Co-porter. There must be co-porter that could uh, convince my parents, because they were not religious, to buy something. And some people are very good. They know how to sell a book if you say no. If you no, no, no. But so this came in the book. And here, this is nice pictures here. Nice pictures everywhere. And it gives all prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. Now, when he was 16, in some way, I was then in the School of Aeronautics, I saw this book. And being an existentialist, you know, looking at it, uh, what does it say? Uh, and and, and uh, Buddhism, and Hinduism, is there something better? Because, I mean, I enjoyed reading all those religions and, and the philosophies, but it didn't give me hope for the future. And so here I read all those prophecies with Daniel, Daniel 7, you know, here, you know, the little horn and change of time and law and whatever. And so this struck me. And I was really enthusiastic. I said, this is much better than being an existentialist. And, I, and as a result, I believed in the Bible. Amen. The Bible, there must be a God who has control over all those things. However, I was so enthusiastic, and, and now I wanted to share this with my buddies, my friends, my fellow students. 
and as enthusiastically as I was. There was a great apathy. I say, you, John, don't you see this here? Don't you see the prophecy and, and, and see what Constantine did and, and the changing of the day of worship and whatever? And they looked with cold eyes on me. He says, Darmstadt, keep this for yourself. I'm not interested in it. And if you think that this is your future, take it. But don't bother me. And so here, you know, the brilliant students, brilliant students, my friends, and they just put it aside. And so I stopped doing it. At the same time, I was so busy with my studies that I, I, I left my interest in, the, in this book and whatever. After graduation, I was drafted into the Royal Dutch Air Force to serve as an aeronautical engineer for two years. And I enjoyed this very much. But there was something in the Air Force that I don't enjoy. Hated learning shooting and bayonet warfare. You see, they taught me how to inflict with the bayonet wounds that never heal. See, you have to do it in a certain way, put it in the enemy's sight, and then, and, and then it was over. So here it was. The Dutch for Air Force. And there I was converted. About the war, not about the war. No, here it is. And the, the, the Dutch Air Force did something very, very good. Today we may not consider it good, but they had spiritual formation. And spiritual formation, once a week, we had to go either to the Catholic chaplain or to the Protestant chaplain. And then they, you know, fed you, the Catholic, uh, Catholic chaplain, he was quite popular because he had good music, what I consider at that time good music, and, and girls and dancing. But at that time, I was not interested so much in girls, neither in dancing. So, what happened? One day, the whole, all, all of those guys that I was in training with were called in the morning for several hours, and the topic was, and that was concerned both, uh, both chaplains, Catholics and, 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 and Protestants, and the topic was what you can do as a soldier, Christian soldier, on Sunday. Now suddenly you can remember what happened. I remember this. I remember the change of Constantine and the day of worship and what happened. Then. And then the, the Catholics, Catholics took it over. And they, and, and they brought this whole teaching in it. So at the end of the presentation by the chaplains, they asked me, they asked me, she says, is there anyone who has any questions or comments? And I don't know how it is, but I stood up. I stood up there and I said, sir, can I have something to say? Oh yeah, come on, come on. So there I was. And for the next 20 minutes, I had the floor. And I said, you know, friends, 
They say, yeah, I have good news for you. You know, you have heard what you can't do. Let me tell you what you can do on Sunday. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> because if you are Christian, you follow the Bible. And if you follow the Bible, there is, what did Jesus do? He kept the Sabbath. And that is the Sabbath of the Bible, not the Jewish Sabbath, but the Sabbath of the Bible. And I said, you know, that's what you can do. And then you can do witness, you can do all kinds of things. On Sunday, you, it, it's yours. So after my speech was over, the chaplain says, you know what this gentleman said? Uh, you know, we didn't discuss this in a previous presentation, but there's a little, he has some good points. But, you know, time is running out, so it, it, it's noon now, we have to eat. So, that was the end. <laughs> so, what did I do? I decided, you know, that after this session, to visit the chaplain, you know, asking him about it. But uh, he wanted much help. At the same time, I have these discussing frequently uh, things to our, our other colleagues and whatever. And he said, Darmstadt, why do you always tell everyone what to do? But you are not even a Christian. So they were fed up with what I tell you, you know, what Christians should do, and Christians should do this, and Christians should do that, or whatever. And, um, and so that is what they do. So now, what to do? And I said, you know, I, I'm not too familiar with the Bible, so I should know something more about the Bible. And so what happened now? I felt the need to study the Bible to be better prepared to argue <laughs> my views with the chaplain and my buddies. You see, so in other words, my motivation was get after them, you know, and tell them how it should be. Ah, here is uh, a study for the spirit of prophecy. So here again, providence worked. The Lord worked. And what did he do? I found a VOP invitation card to study the Bible, voice of prophecy card. And so I said, that is tremendous. And I, I took the Bible course and I finished it and I had lots of more ammunition. <laughs> but in the time of studying, in some way, I felt I need to know something more about the Bible and, 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 and where I stand. And so I got in contact with an Adventist pastor. And the Adventist pastor was willing, you know, he was happy that there is a candidate here. And so I took Bible studies. And I studied, took Bible studies. And the Bible studies had an impact. I really, about salvation. And I lost interest in my career in aeronautics. Because I loved it. And now I lost interest. And what my new interest here is, I desire to become a missionary to prepare persons for the second advent. Because I knew one of the studies was that the judgment has already gotten on. Daniel chapter 8, the judgment has gotten on. And where am I in the scene? And what about my friends? And so I got a tremendous burden for the souls of others. How to do this? 
God was leading. I was willing to obey. And here is a promise from the Bible. And thine ears shall hear the word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Isaiah 30, verse 21. And so I realized here that God requested a, a response. Now, one of the problems is that many of our young people don't understand the working of the prophecies in the Bible. Because if you understand the working of the prophecy in your, your life, you have to choose. And if you don't choose, you go downhill. And so here it was. I encouraged, and when I said, you know, to the pastor, I said, I'd like to, to get some education and whatever. He encouraged me to take the ministerial education at the Institute of Sandbergen in the Netherlands. That's what he says. And that was nice. He said, how are you going to do it? But there were some problems. Two major problems, obstacles. One is, how could I leave the Air Force before my service time of two years was finished? They gave you an education, they teach you how to do all those things in, um, in, in mechanics and whatever. So how can you now leave? And the minister said, now there is an exception for those who choose a spiritual, spiritual uh, career and then you can be released from the army. But what you have to do is you have to send a request to your commander and that goes high. There is a higher hierarchical process. And finally, you go to the Ministry of Defense in the Netherlands and then they decide you and they said it may take at least a half a year. Now remember, I got this insight, that conversion experience, I got it in June. And the school starts in, 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 in uh, August, and so I have only one month. So I said, I will waste a whole year, and then I don't know what is happening to me. So I need to speed it up. And, uh, and, and so I decided, against the advice of my friend, my, 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 my pastor, I said, I'll write a recycle best. A special request to the Minister of Defense. Send it away. I didn't hear anything. Until three weeks later, I was called on the red carpet by my commander. Darmstadt. See what I got from the Minister of Defense? You need to be immediately discharged. Three weeks. And he says, I can't understand. I said, are you a Catholic, becoming a Catholic? <laughs> so much he knew about <laughs> religion. No, I didn't say I want to be a missionary. He said, what? A missionary. Okay, there's the door, you go. <laughs> and so, there it is. So this was then solved. But the second one was even more difficult. To enroll in the ministerial program without support of the church. You know, I saw, thought that if you have you now a candidate for ministerial education, that then the church helps you. 
yes, we help you, but uh, in a different way as you think about. And so what did the pastor tell you? If you have been called by the Lord, then he provides you. Now, that is what my mother also has said. You know, I mean, when I became a Seventh-day Adventist, my mother was very uh, distraught about it. And I said, you know, Gerard, we are not going to pay you anything. We have invested already enough in your aeronautical engineering program. It's all up to you. If the Lord guides you, he will take care of it. That's what the minister also said. You know, he said many people have this idea they want to go into ministry, but then they flunk. So I said, what is then what, what I should do? Get a job. And we provide you with a job. I said, well, what is this? Okay, here is a bookcase. Here, here is a briefcase. And we give you magazines. Magazines and books, health books, religious books. And you go then from house to house and, and, and sell them. Sell them? I, I, I've never sold a book in my life. You see me going from house to house? No. Um, but the penis said, this is the only way. Okay, okay. So Friday I left the Air Force. And Monday morning I started to knock on doors. And I said, oh Lord, please. If you have anything for me, open doors. And they opened doors. The first day I sold two magazines. Is that enough for a career in our schools? Two magazines? No. Pray, pray, pray. Next day, I sold four magazines and one book. Next day, eight magazines, three books. And you know, the Lord worked on the program of multiplication. And in one week, because I had one, I had one week, no, I mean, yeah, one month time to get money together. And so I worked from morning to late at night, morning to late at night. And at the end of that month, the Lord enabled me to break all records of selling in canvassing in Holland. Unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. They were, the brothers were so happy, and so they accepted me. And they said, now, Providence intervenes, quick discharge from the Air Force, how to get enough money so fast? Canvassing success confirms my calling to ministry. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I can, everybody can, I, I can encourage you to go this way. Because if you cannot, in the shortest possible time, convince people, you know, to give 20, 30, 40 dollars, if you can't do it, you will not be successful in the ministry. At the same time, they gave me the canvassing leader here in the Netherlands for a few days. And this was a marvelous gift. He told me how to sell a book when people are hesitant, how to sell a book when people are not interested, how to sell a book when they say no, and when they tell you no, 
no, no. And so I put those things into practice and it works. It works. So friends, this is what, how providence is. Again, it is divine guidance. But if somebody has said a couple of months before that I would be selling books from house to house and become a minister, I would say, hey, you know, you have a problem. <laughs> so, there it is. Process vision. The ideas in your head can be the Holy Spirit prompting you to a better course. Be submissive to God and he will lead. And friends, this is my experience. And I wanted to share this with you. Not because I'm so good. No, no. But because of providence what it is. And in many young people's minds, if they know how providence is and how it can guide us, they will not leave the church. They absolutely not. So here is another one. In Christ's object lessons, a beautiful 3.41. His angels are appointed to watch over us. And if we put ourselves under their guiding, guiding a guardianship, when in every time of dangers they will be at our right hand. When unconsciously we are in danger of exerting a wrong influence, the angels will be on our side, prompting us to a better course, choosing our words for us and influencing our actions. Thus influencing, influence may be a silent, unconscious but mighty power in drawing others to Christ and the heavenly world. Beautiful, isn't it? And those promises help me tremendous. And I tell you, I mean, I canvassed for not one summer, not two summers, for eight summers. And the Lord always provided the schooling. Now I wanted to witness to my relatives because I thought now, I have learned the way to, how to sell things. Maybe I can sell it to them. And I went there, and I tell you, it was one of the greatest disappointments. They said, Domsky, we love you, we take care of you, but whatever, you know, we can help you. But don't mention religion here in our home. Not at all. We are not willing to be influenced by your teachings. Now, there it is. So there it is. Says, there's the door. And I didn't visit them often because there's uh, no use. Then, of course, I had to be baptized. The pastor was actually quite surprised because I, you know, in the Bible studies, we were only halfway and I asked them where there is a place to study those things. He says, you haven't been baptized even. Yeah, he says, that's true, that's true. But if that is necessary, I'll get baptized. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and of course, you can see why I said it, because I didn't know what baptism was. So therefore, and, and so after the baptisms, you know, after the Bible studies, I wanted to be baptized. But he says, no, you are not yet ready. Why not? I says, you know, the way you go baptize is in a swimming pool, and we have to rent the swimming pool, 
and you are presently the only one ca candidate. And we are not renting a swimming pool because you of, of, of you. No, that's quite, uh, quite expensive. So you have to wait until we have a quorum. And so finally we had a quorum of about four people. And then I got baptized. Well, that's how it is in Holland. So anyway, baptism, and I got then baptized after a half a year. And this is the school. Uh, the, the dormitory is on your left-hand side. Uh, the cafeteria is on the bottom. And there is where I got the uh, initial ministerial uh, training. And uh, I did my very, very best. But, you know, in the study, remember now the Creator in the days of your youth. Well, the evil day, days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. And so here then, in my studies, I discovered issues that the church was wrestling with. You know, I mean, challenges confronting me. What is the spirit of prophecy? Do Seventh-day Adventists have the gift of prophecy? That was not clear to me. Who was Ellen White? You know, the study that they had about the spirit of prophecy is that Ellen White was a religious inspiration to the church and she writes inspirational literature. No, I don't know. I have no problem believing this. Luther was inspired, you know, he had inspirational literature. Calvin, you know, many of the reformers had inspirational material. And so, sure, Ellen White can have to do. So I had no difficulty in affirming that she was an inspirational writer. That was all I knew. But then I heard something more. These questions affected, I knew, as the lifestyle. How to accept the spirit of prophecy or not has to do with lifestyle. She writes a lot about lifestyle. About health reform. I didn't know too much about health reform. As the theology, especially about the sanctuary or whatever, and there were lots of discussions about it. As the education. And there were in discussion, they had certain Adventists that they mentioned they were grass eaters. And so I said, grass eaters. Let me check this out. Because I always learned, you know, don't accept anything but test it and test it and test it. And I noticed that those people, the food that they have is excellent. Excellent. Here, councils on diet and food. They introduced me to some of the book and I read them. And that changed my life. I believe this. And yet most of the students there, no, no. The grass eaters, you know, they are fanatical. And I found him one of the nicest people, kind, stimulating and whatever. And the food was extraordinary. So that is what I did. And then they continued. They gave me Steps to Christ in Dutch. And also a book that has helped me. Some people today don't like it, but messages to young people. How as a young people to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? And I mean, fantastic. What kind of literature should you do? What kind of you know, relationships? 
how to get the right marriage partner. All of those things are there. And I tell you, they had been a tremendous blessing. So they had a tremendous impact. But most of the students among me there in the Netherlands, no, they didn't. And so here then, I was now asking, shall I continue to study in Holland? Or is there a school with a strong spiritual uh, spirit of prophecy influence? Is there a school? And yet, I was informed. On the other side of the sea, the other side of the North Sea, this is England. And there you have a, a better school than in Holland. So, I decided I have to go there. And so, there then, going off on to Newbold College. A beautiful place, and I learned very, very many things there. And uh, I also I discovered that there was a nice contingent with, uh, with students, Dutch students there. That's myself here. And uh, some of them have already passed away, but uh, not all of them. And most of them uh, have become ministers there. And then I had a new goal. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so, therefore, my goal was to get the, the, as many, uh, as good uh, information and, 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 and study as possible, and then I, 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 I made a good thing. And then I said, is there something more than Dumont College? And he said, yes. The cream of education is in America. Adventist education. Andrews University. And so, this was the next one on my agenda. I will get educated there. But there are obstacles. And again, obstacles. The distance in the United States. How are you going to get there? Yeah, you know, I mean, you have no idea. I mean, Holland and the European nations, they are far away. And it is expensive to travel. And you have to go by plane and what are you going to do? And at the same time, the finances. At that time, you had the dollar here. One dollar, four Dutch guilders for one dollar. And then you spent thousands of dollars on the education. So it seemed to be impossible. Impossible. So what to do? So Providence again works out. And the publishing leader in Canada was a Dutchman. And I said, you know, my problems and whatever. He said, no problem. I said, but I have to fly with the airplane. No problem. He said, I don't have the money. No problem. He said, we provide you the ticket. We provide you. Oh, I said, you do that. Yeah. Now, later on, he said that later on when you make money in Canada, you pay us back. But he says, here it is, here it is. And so, there it was. And so, here was this Canadian pro canvassing program. 
We take care of all your expenses. He provides you even with a car. I said, I don't know how to drive a car. I said, I don't even have a driving license. I, said, I need a bicycle. Bicycle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me a bicycle when I'm there and I'll take care of No, Donald, you can't do it. Because you're in Holland. The houses are here, house, here, house, here, house. You know, you ring the bell, and if you have a note, then you know, and I have a bicycle. Very, very easy, very easy. And I could send lots of money, lots of money. But this canvassing program there, it is, no, I can't do that. But I decided that if I want to go to Andrews, this seemed to be the only way possible. So what we do is we go there, and uh, let me first see how the bicycle is. But I didn't know that many areas were rural. You have here a farm, and there a farm, and I go with my bicycle, farm after farm, and it's so hot, and it is you know, so terrible, whatever. I says, Thompson, did I tell you? Get a car, but I don't know how to drive. Just, We'll give you a driving license. I give you a couple of days. Took me out how to drive and whatever. So you go then. And I was already so disappointed. I said, you know, let me go back to Holland. There I know how to canvas, how to make money, make good money and whatever, but not here in Canada. So the day came that I had to drive, take my driving license. Okay. And I was asked by the, uh, well, what do you call those people? No, who are the people that take you out for driving license? The policeman or whatever? Okay, so there it is. You, you go in the car and so, and I said to myself, you know, this is no problem because I, I know how to, how to drive and whatever. And so I said, good. Let me take this, and then tomorrow I fly back to Holland. And I just, you know, look. Well, at the end of the test, he says, you know, here you see this mirror. I don't see you looking too much in the mirror, so that you can see what happened behind you. <laughs> and, I said, and there's also another mirror. But I think, you know, you have quite a lot of confidence I had confidence go back to Holland. <laughs> no, and so I said, you know, I'll pass you this time. Oh, there he was. Oh, Lord, now I have to stay. I, I can't go home anymore. So they gave me a car. There was only one car that was left there, and it was a lemon, but I didn't know about it. <laughs> it was a rover, an English rover. And so very soon I discovered that not everything worked. <laughs> and uh, so there I was. The first week, yes, and I could sell, you know, and then the Lord blessed me or whatever. But every week, and I had to carry seven weeks, and every week things got worse with this car. <laughs> so finally what I had to do is, there was something with the dashboard, and so I had to take the dashboard and move it a little out. And then there is no problem. Just move the dashboard out. So I got, got, got. Then the last week, I, 
things didn't work out, so I had to use a crank. Yeah. And so from farm to farm, I had to crank it, go to the next one. And I tell you, I just made this seven weeks. But in the last day, the crank broke. There it was. But fortunately, I had made enough money, you know, to go to New World College, because that was the idea. I make it in the States and go to New World College until you do this. And so, therefore, I did my best to do it. But I had just enough money to pay for a whole year of what? New World College, because that was the idea. I make money in the States, go to school, so that I get the experience how to make money to go to Andrews. This is all nice plan and whatever. So I mentioned that canvassing leader who helped me. You know, I said, you know, what can I do? I, I, have just, I don't want to spend the money on, the, on my plane. He said, Thompson, you come to me, because he was supervisor in Montreal, in the Spanish, and I was in Ontario, the English-speaking area. So I said, well, what do I have to do? Okay. He said, there are many ships that go to England and you just try to get on one of those ships and hitchhike your way back to, <laughs> to there. So I, I did. I tried to do my best. But I was not successful. And I said, you know, a whole week. And I said, and now I, I take a plane and I go home. Sorry about it. And so, the last day, the last day, I made a captain, and he said, you know, you want to work? Yes, sir. Okay, you'll be here. I do my last checking in Montreal, and then if everything is okay, then you can be on board, and then you will work the rest of the way. Okay, thank you so much, sir. So I did it because there were other guys also did after that ship, and he picked me out. So I got praise the Lord. That was on Thursday. On Friday we left, but I hadn't told them that I was a Sabbath keeper. So there it was. So Friday I worked hard, you know, whatever. But then the ship goes on. Montreal, and then the ship goes by Newfoundland. And in Newfoundland, you have the Gulf Stream from the south and the Gulf Stream from the north. And it is turbulent, turbulent waters. And you know, I got seasick. I got seasick. Hanging overboard. Oh, you know, so I said, sir, I... I'm not able to do it. I said, but on Sunday I will be back. So he let me off of Sabbath. And then this is what happened. And I took them, they were, you, you were ladies that worked there, and they had rough work. And so I had to do the rough work on Sunday and, 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 and the other thing. But I was free from Sabbath. And so I, I saved enough money now from Newport College 
So from next, next year, I could go then to Andrews University. And so, friends, I graduated from Newworld College, and here is Andrews. But that is another story. My whole life is in uh, four sections, and I have to only show you one section of Providence. So may the Lord bless you and uh, keep you. And uh, I can see here, you know, that the key of our young people, what you have to recognize, is Providence. And if you recognize Providence in your life, and also the older ones, nothing stands in your way. And the Lord will guide you and give you experiences that you have never done before. And so whatever this is, this is the first part of my witness of how providence works in my life. And I have never been disappointed. And God's record in his book of providence continues in my life. And may God bless you and this church. Never be disappointed, but always believe that in God's book of providence, your name will be there. And you don't need to work away from our church. If you, outside of the Adventist church, where should you go? Where should you go? Is the world with all its beautiful clamors, but it doesn't satisfy you. And so may God bless you and keep you in a very special way. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.